When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair with three guests this week. Welcome back to Steve Cox. Thank you. Good evening. Hello to Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, good to see you. And Joe Doherty is here. Hello. Uh, well, we're back after the international break, and since then we've had a convincing 4-0 defeat at Bournemouth with Nasri and De Bruyne back. Yaya's on his way in the summer. A tasty tie at West Brom to look forward to. And the under-18s are through to the FA Youth Cup final. And before all of that, a trip to Paris for the Champions League quarterfinal against Paris Saint-Germain. So let's start uh, with us ruining football then, as our youngsters secured their second successive FA Youth Cup final. 2-2 draw at the Emirates, meaning 4-3 on aggregate. Uh, well done the lads, Steve. Yeah, it was a good game actually. I watched most of the second half. Um, City were 2-1 up when I started watching it, so I was kind of intrigued by that. Um, Arsenal then managed to get back to two all all credit to them to be fair because they were they did have their backs against the wall for a long period of that second half um, but I was really impressed with the way that our lads actually played and the way they applied themselves and they always looked as though they could actually go up a gear and get something else out of the game Arsenal unfortunately had a player sent off which and I actually for one small second I felt a little bit sorry for him because it looked as though he'd kind of slipped and whilst his foot was up I thought the ref had to had to send him off, but I don't think it was deliberate or intentional in any way, shape or form. But I think, you know, they came through it really well. There's some really good players, really good players in there. Adarabeya looks awesome. Yeah, and a sort of uh, Manu Garcia, I think, was playing yes, as well. Yes, he was, yeah. He got taken off about 20 minutes from the end. Well, the player I was particularly impressed with, I mean, obviously we know Manu Garcia and Adarabeya are good from, I mean, particularly from watching that Chelsea game in the Cup. But I was particularly impressed with young Brahim Diaz for his confidence and his technical ability and the fact he was only 16, which at that level is still very young. And I thought he was very impressive. I thought he took his goal well. You know, he won a header at the back post, which is no mean feat when you're that small. And, uh, yeah, I just thought everything he did was brilliant. He lacks the final ball a bit, but that will come. And I, was really, I hope he makes it. Anything to add, Rob? Well, well he, cost, he cost £2.4 million pounds and... Uh, we had to fight off Barcelona to get him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a very promising player. The, the, 
they're, they're obviously a good team. They've got five uh, players in the England under-18 side, and they've got two people with biblical names, Jacob Davenport and Isaac Buckley Ricketts. So that's, that's a good <laughs> omen, isn't it? <laughs> Very good. And uh, Tosin. Tosin had to a BIO. Is that a biblical name, is it? The Book of Tosin. Yeah, very good. Uh, right, so well done, the lads, and uh, we look forward to finding out who they're playing. It's Chelsea or Black, Blackburn, isn't Chelsea it? Or Blackburn, yeah. It's kind of the it's two-legged affair again. I think it will be Chelsea, I reckon, because we lost to them in the final last year, I think, didn't we? Yeah, deservedly. I thought Chelsea will do well to do Chelsea again because their players are just so big. Yeah, but some of them have moved on. That's the thing. That's the, they're, they're kind of only really allowed to be at that age group for a couple of years, and then they tend to move on a bit. But um, are we'll they see. one of the fifty players out on loan from Chelsea? Probably. Well, of course. I talk about on loan players. Patrick Roberts. He's he's done all right for for the mighty Celtic up there north of the border. Well, I was delighted to see that. Your, thir- your third team, isn't it? Uh, joint third with Orient yep. um, Yeah, no, I, I watched the game I've got a lot of friends who support Celtic And two of them were at the game And they were saying how good he was And a lot of the comments on Facebook and other social media Were describing him as the mini Messi Obviously a bit ahead of themselves mm. But I thought he played very well and took his goals very well what a, what a novel thought That we could actually potentially have a winger That can cut inside and shoot I know, it's, it's, well, we've got Barker on, target, on the other side. On target, <laughs> never shoots, but really on target. Well, we've got Barker on the other side for the same thing, and yeah. that could be quite impressive in the future. He, he made a couple of goals, didn't he, on Saturday? Navas? No, no, look, I'm not, I'm not doubting Navas's crossing ability and his ability to run with the ball. I, I sometimes I, I fear when I see him in front of goal because I always think it's going to. It's a bit like the, the old song, isn't it? You know, if the ball hits your head and you're sat in Rosehead, that's Zamora. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's taking me back. <laughs> Let's start with the let's start. We started with the, the youngsters. Let, let's move to the weekend. Four nil uh, against Bournemouth, and I suppose are we frustrated because we just Rob? You know how we have, how we can play when we put in a performance like that. Doesn't that say how frustrating it must be having watched us for the last month do nothing? Hallelujah! I mean, it's like the team has woken up, and uh, to have De Bruyne back and playing his first game uh, as if he's been playing all season is is wonderful. And uh, we collectively have criticised De Bruyne for not uh, contributing in big games. And this was a big game. And he was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, can I just qualify big game? Bournemouth safe? No, but know, the point the is... sunshine on the south no, coast, no, we're, we're not going to win the league no, now. Every, Why is it a big every, game? You know, every game uh, they need to get points and they need to win in order to qualify for the Champions League. So it was very, very important yeah. to win on Saturday. I quite agree. I, I think that for once I actually saw the team on paper and I didn't cringe before the game thinking that we were going to potentially slip on a rather large Bournemouth-sized banana skin. Um, I like the fact that he played Fernando and Fernandinho anchoring the midfield, which gave Mangala and um, Otamendi a decent amount of protection in front of them and, and actually... Fernandinho, for me, if, if De Bruyne got man of the match, then Fernandinho wasn't that far behind with all of the fetching and carrying that he did during the game. And he seems to be, he seems to be everywhere at once, Fernandinho. Mm. Um, but I, I thought that the team looked very balanced. And, and, and for, you know, we kind of moved the ball very, very quickly up the right end of the park, and, and that created opportunities. And we, you know, after 20 minutes, it was more or less over, really. So Rob's not frustrated, I am. 
because it shows how we could have been playing if we'd actually, you know, we, it's not that much. De Bruyne is just one player, isn't he? He well, can't, can't have been that influential to make us change the way we played. No, I think De Bruyne makes a huge difference to that team. He takes the pressure off Silva. He gives. He makes the takes the pressure off Aguero as well. And in recent weeks, having watched that game in hindsight, I'm starting to think that one of the big reasons. I mean, there's one or two exceptions where we were just really poor. But in recent weeks, I'm starting to think, you know. It was out of it was obviously out of our control that we weren't playing that well because I thought De Bruyne would have made such you know take the United game the other day for example I'm certain with De Bruyne in that team and Silva and Aguero we'd have annihilated them I think he did make a huge difference to how the team played because they find the gaps that a lot of other players like Sterling and Navas don't find it's a waste of emotions being frustrated I mean what what we have to concentrate on now is winning to competitions this year and uh, they, they at least have a chance of that now. And uh, Nasri was back as well, would you say he yeah. had much an influence with good hair? I'll tell you what he looked a bit like Pepe Le Pew to me um, <laughs> running down the wing but I, I, I actually thought that he had a good game, what he had of it he played very well, you could see that his vision was there he didn't look as though he was short on fitness at all um, and, and I really look, look forward to welcoming him back on a m- more regular basis really. You, you kind of moved off now to the Nasri sort of fantasy that we had to put up with every week when you've been on the show in the past you kind of moved off him a bit, you're not quite as uh, excited every time we mention his name and sort of go all pink and, and so on, you <laughs> Kind of, you like yeah. him, but you're not. You're no, not he's, quite he's, fancy him. I don't think as much as he's you a good to. player. But I've, is I've, it the hair, Joe? Is that what it is? Oh is no, it? I've heard the old hair. No, no, as I've got older, I've become more old school and stopped with all this favourite player malarkey. You know, you're just, so mature, Joe. I know they're all they're all city players, but you know if they turn up, I, I this season I'm really starting to warm to Bakary Sanya though. He's the man. But going back to Nasri in all seriousness, no, yeah. you know, he, as, as Steve said, you know he he. he he made a difference back in the side? Well, I don't think you really could make a difference because the team had really taken their foot off the gas at that point. But I think he could play a big part in the last few weeks. You know, Obviously, we're not going, really going for the title to the same extent we might have hoped we would be. But in recent years, whenever we've been going for something at the end of the season, Nasri has always played a big part in that. He obviously was instrumental in us winning the league two years ago and was a very important player four years ago when we won it. So, yeah, he's a great player to have back and if you can get all potentially all four of them together in some games you know you look at a game like West Brom where you need to find the gaps I think Nasri De Bruyne Silva and Aguero as a front four is a very inviting prospect probably not tomorrow because we'll need to be a bit more defensive but we'll, we'll come on to that Rob I just picking up on what uh, Steve was talking about he was talking about sort of Fernando and Fernandinho protecting the back four yeah but I think also, I think you look sort of get further forward. I think the combination of Aguero, Silva, De Bruyne, that combination just worked brilliantly as well, didn't it? That, well, that, that... a number of commentators have said that City failed to win when Fernando and Fernandinho play together. And that scotched that one uh, on Saturday. So it does make uh, a huge difference in protecting uh, the central two in the back four and allowing people to go forward. The, the, the conundrum is ya-ya, and I, I'm unsure what to do about that tomorrow. I don't know. He's not fit, no, so he's I not won't fit. have to worry about him for tomorrow. Okay. He's, he's, out. he's out. It's, it's, been, it's been mentioned he is out. Okay. He's out, and I wouldn't have played him anyway tomorrow, because I think we've got to be 
incredibly careful and not take any risks for yeah. the away leg. And those two Brazilians, especially in the Champions League, if you look at our best Champions League performances, you know, Kiev away, Sevilla away, those two have played together. And Fernando, everyone called him a flop, but I've, I think he's had a very good season. And Fernandinho's just been out of this world this year, so you've got I mean, to go with the I mean, two really, of them. If you look at the goals at the weekend, they, despite the fact we probably could have had more if we'd have kept the pressure on for longer... There were four really good goals, yeah, totally you know, and, and, and all different in their own way. We rarely score from corners, but Fernando, that was a, an, awf, an awesome looping volley that he scored. Yeah. Their second goal was the one that really made it it's, for me with the, mo- the quick movement, the quick thought yeah. and the passing and actually the cool finish from De Bruyne, which I think is that's what he gives you, that late coming into the box onto the, the, the a pass from Aguero or Silva. And it's got to be the favourite of the four, I think, hasn't it? The second yeah, one, there were definitely. lots of sort of polls and things on social media, yeah. and I, I kept banging the De Bruyne button. I mean, yeah. I had to be, that, that was by far the Kolarov best. actually pushed it fairly close with his sort of solo effort at the end as well. It was a combination of three or four pieces of exquisite skill. The lob, was it Aguero lobbed it, first of all, Silva pushed it back, and then De Bruyne hits it on the volley, it was magnificent. And and actually, what about Silva pressing to get the opportunity in the first place as well, which is the other thing we don't always do. And the games we've played really well in this year, some of the away games in Europe, have been the ones where we've actually pressed the ball a bit more. I'm not sure what the fullback was doing running across his own penalty box, to be fair, but even so, you still don't press. Yeah, absolutely. And then, sort of, Aguero leaping like a salmon at six foot nine, you know, know. which is easy for him anyway, at that size, to get up above the defence. How how does he get up there? He he amazes me. If you put him alongside Andy Carroll, I still could imagine Aguero actually winning that header. One, because he's got a fairly light frame, but have you seen his thighs? The guy has got springs for thighs. <laughs> I think he just goes about a foot and a half higher than anybody else without, without having to work at it almost. It's effortless. Could I just say this about uh, Nasri, to put it on the record? I'm glad to see that he hasn't lost his diplomatic skills. Uh, interviewed about the Champions League yesterday, he said that PSG couldn't play against Stoke on a... <laughs> on a Monday evening, encouraging PSG to, to, uh. to be more motivated. So I think he deserves a position in the French uh, foreign ministry when, when he retires. Or a slap. Or, or, or talk sport, <laughs> if he's using phrases like, could they do it on a wet Wednesday night in Stoke? Before we go on to that, just finishing off on the weekend game at Bournemouth and, and kind of where it leaves us, can we just, this ubiquitous conversation that we all need to have um, about kind of Leicester... Um, and whether we're going to finish fourth and all. So, so we've got to do it, you know, it's, uh, it would be rude not to. So we're, what, 12 points behind Leicester, seven games left. Um, Leicester's title in the bag? Yeah, isn't, you know what, it's almost getting to that stage now where I'd, I'd almost quite like to see them do it, because at the end of the day, if they don't win it this year, they are never going to get a better chance to do it, and there's a fair chance they could be in the bottom half again next year. Whereas if we don't win it this year, you know what, We'll have a good chance next year and the year after and the year and for the foreseeable future. So, really, I'm all right with Leicester. I just don't want Arsenal to win it this year, to be honest. I think, I mean, when when you look at it, whilst it's mathematically possible, in order for that to happen, we're looking at Leicester dropping four games, more or less, and us winning all of our remaining games. So, it's kind of mathematically creeping down the list. But actually, I think achieving third or fourth place and potentially even second place is imminently possible. Yeah. 
Who cares who wins? It's, yeah. it's irrelevant. I mean, the only, the only good thing, I suppose, is that Ra- Ranieri's reputation is rescued from those clever people who said he was the tinker man who, who could never really manage a big club. Yeah, but come on, Rob. You know, I, I know you're, sort of playing, you're playing devil's advocate now. In terms, I know you don't really sort of care who wins as long as City win every game. I'm kind of with you in that. But come on, if Leicester do, it's going to be something pretty special, isn't it? You know, with, them, with the investment, with the, the, sort of the, the star players they have, you know, what's their squad? Worth four pounds, three shillings, and sixpence, or something. I don't know. You know, it, come on. You, you look I, I, at... I haven't got the emotional width, Nigel, that you obviously have to focus and celebrate something like that. I don't care. What I do care about is having a team in the Champions League when Pep Guardiola comes along. They've been, they've been remarkably lucky, really, Leicester, in oh, that no they've, they've a things have gone their way at times and B, they don't really seem to have had that many injuries to key players so they, everything seems to have been right for them to actually get to where they are this year. Our fault is that we haven't really been on the game. So let's and talk also, about the... Sorry, go on, Joe, yeah. And also they haven't been in all the competitions that us and Arsenal have been... And Spurs as well, for the Europa League, because they were at the FA Cup straight away, yeah. they're at the League Cup after a couple of rounds and they're obviously not in Europe, so... It's much easier. If you look at all the great title-winning teams, probably the only, the only exception I could think of was ours from a couple of seasons ago, where we couldn't have our core together. They don't have many injuries. I mean, you look at Chelsea last season, they had no injuries whatsoever in that first eleven and could play it all season. So let's talk about fourth place then. So yes. if, let's talk about City then, Rob. I know you don't like to talk about anything other than City and City winning everything. So your view about us and fourth, because Stratford are one point behind us now um, and West Ham are, what, three, two or three points further, further back. Um, they've sort of, you know, we've slipped from winning the league easily um, after four or five games to now... Are we going to hang on to fourth? Are we going to hang on to fourth? What's your well, view? I, 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 I know you hope we do. Psychologically, but... I think it's changed now. I think the team has woken up and smelt the coffee and they understand what is at stake. And I feel confident that they will give it a very good go. I mean, the problem is that A, West Ham are a very good team and B, uh, United keep on winning. Uh, even though they're not playing well and even though their supporters say they're not playing well and they're not as good as the other teams in the, in the top four. If you keep getting the points, that creates its own momentum. They have still got to play each other, though, as well, which could be a massive game for us. We've, we've, we've got two difficult games, I, as I see it, and, and that could potentially cement us in where we are. One, one is the game against Arsenal, which comes up in May, um, but the one before that that I have some concern about is actually playing a resurgent Chelsea at yeah. Stamford yeah. Bridge. We could, other than that, I don't see how we would not drop, you know, we shouldn't drop other points. But those two games, I think, for me, are a little bit of a concern, really. Well, well we, we haven't got any teams that are sort of... We've got Newcastle still to come here in the bottom three, but Newcastle don't look like a resurgent team. They look pretty pony at the moment, to be honest. We don't really have any, and then we've got Southampton and Swansea who are both pretty much safe. We don't have any teams sort of like who are just above the bottom three and could be a tricky game. Like we've got, well, we've had Norwich, and obviously that went poorly. And I don't think we've got any more of those. Well, I mean, West Brom are pretty much safe, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely. Yeah. I, I don't forty points. You know, I mean, the, the, the manager Pellegrini has failed to psychologically motivate the team for key games. And you know, yeah. although on paper the West Brom game looks. Uh, straightforward if they have a difficult time tomorrow and they come back tired and somewhat depleted or they get injuries that will be an immensely difficult game so you can't take anything for granted but we want 
Um, the Alamo spirit now, please. Yes. Well, let's pick up on the, the Paris Saint Germain game then. Um, so we're recording this on Tuesday, so it's tomorrow night. Yep. Um, away at Paris, yep. um, two-legged affair. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts and reflections then, Steve, going into this uh, one? I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough game. Um, Chelsea were pushed all the way by Paris in, in, in the last round, and, and that was even after Chelsea had taken a bit of a lead back at Stamford Bridge. So I have some concerns. I... I think we've got goals in us and I I know we can score against Paris so I'm not concerned on that front. My my concerns really are more based around how how we defend against Ibrahimovic really to be fair. Um, And you know he's he's a guy that on his day can hammer you for three or four. I, I would hope that if I'm looking at an away leg, I would be pleased if we came away from there, if we lost by the odd goal, but we'd scored one. I think mm-hmm. then I would be looking at that and saying, do you know what, we can get them back to our stadium and we can, we can actually take that tie. So I think we've got to look at it as a two-legged affair rather than just the first leg. One thing we have got on our side, though, is in terms of their goal-scoring threat, is they've got a lot of injuries going forward. Verratti and Pastore both have. I, mean, I think Di Maria's just about fit for it as well. So he might not be 100%. So if we keep Ibrahimovic quiet, obviously it's no mean feat, but if we sort of, you know, we get... You see, I have a feeling this is going to be the game where Mangala really makes it because he just has to be quick and keep up with Ibrahimovic. So. <laughs> that, that could be the stupidest thing I've ever said. But... <laughs> we'll remind you of it next time, Yeah, Joe. mark the day. I reckon this is going to be the game where Mangala marks Ibrahimovic out of the game just because just he's quick and he'll have... I think he's played well in his last few games as well. So He, he does seem to rise to an occasion, Mangala. Well, he's he's he done, done Diego he, Costa. He, you know, re- realistically, there have been some games where, that have stood out where he's played incredibly well and that normally seem to be against a... Well, he's always Rob, Diego Rob, Costa. Rob is a big Mangala fan. You like Mangala? He, 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 no, Good. he doesn't. No. <laughs> okay. So come on then, Rob. Mangala is going to sort of be all over Ibrahimovic like like a rash. Well, he owes us. He owes us uh, a few good games. Uh, I, I can't say it improves my sleeping habits to 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 perceive that he's going to be marking Ibrahimovic. But nevertheless, we we live in hope. The the, the key thing is, as you correctly say, it's a two-legged affair. We've got to come out of that game with a chance of winning the second leg. And that means you don't commit everything to attack. You, you have a solid midfield and you, you don't give away stupid chances, which Mangala has done on a number of occasions. Need, uh, needs to be treated like the Seville game, actually, when yeah. we're away. Yeah. And I think that, that's how we should... Tra- and if we approach it with that manner, then I don't see why we can't get something more than... You know, a draw out of that. We've got, as we said, Yaya's out. Obviously, Company's out. Sterling's out. I think Hart's only fifty-fifty was the last I heard. So we'll wait to hear whether he's sort of between between the posts. And any other thoughts about selection? You talked about keeping it tight and so on. And uh, what? I'm, I'm not worried about the Hart thing because Caballero actually has had a few games, and he seems to be. He's the kind of player who, once he gets his eye in, he seems to be okay. And and and. There's, there's one thing that he offers that Hart doesn't, and it, his distribution is very good, Caballero. He's, I, I, I worry sometimes when I see the ball going to Joe and, and expecting him to kick it straight out again because you never know where it's going to go. Whereas yeah. with Caballero, you've got probably a 9 in 10 chance of it actually going to one of our players for a start, um, which kind of helps. But In terms of lineup, Joe, thoughts? I'd pretty much... I mean, I know there's a bit of talk about will De Bruyne start after Saturday. If he was fit enough for Saturday, surely he's fit enough for the week. I would play the same eleven that played against Bournemouth yeah. 
pretty much. Yeah, I don't see why not. Any other thoughts, Rob? On no, that? I think no. this. I think the same team is yep. is is the one to go for. I'll tell you, what I think it's going to be a very important player. Actually, is Navas because um, him and Sanya. I assume it will be. I suppose Sanya for Zabaleta probably would be a change. I'd do. Um, if we're going to keep Di Maria quiet, Navas, his tracking back will be very important for the team. So I, I personally would would keep Zabaleta really? because I think his crossing and his 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 potential to link up uh, with the forwards is better than Sanya's. And he's a brick wall at the because he's the kind he's the kind of guy that if you're going into a battle, you, I would say choice between. Sanya and Zaba, I'd go with Zaba because if you said to Zaba, "There's a wall over there, run through it, please." Yeah. Zaba, Zaba would just run but through it. He would get question. to it probably half a yard later than he would have done two or three seasons ago. With the greatest respect, I, I know think maybe, but I don't think he's lost too much pace. To no. be fair, no. I think it will be Sanya in this one because I think if it was the, if it was going to be Zaba, he'd have played Sanya against Bournemouth. Maybe I think that's one that's one player you can rest, and it, it isn't going to make much of a difference. I know you're not a big fan of this, but, but let's have some predictions then. Let's sort of put, you, put yourself on the line. Let's have a, a score prediction then from you then, Steve. We can sort of replay this to you in a week's I, time. I, my, my heart says I'd love it to be City 2-1, but my head says it's probably more likely to be Paris 2-1. Rob? Uh, I'm not making a prediction, but I will say, you know, Paris are a very good team and they played delightfully against uh, Chelsea. And so we've got to try and get an away goal. And, and if we can do that and restrict them wherever possible, I'll be very happy. Joe, are you going to... Rob's refusing to answer the question. Um, are you going to answer the question? I'm with Steve. I'm going for a 2-1 Paris, but us to give them a good game and stay in the tie, I'd take 2-1 out there. Before we uh, move on to the weekend's game, just want to sort of... In the news has been Yaya this week. Um, his agent has said you know, they haven't been able to strike a deal and I think he's going to go off to the Great British Bake Off to do birthday cakes or something. I think it's the, the next role he's destined for. Um, who knows? I think he's going to go on to, and go with Dimit- Mancini Dimitri to Inter Milan. Selleck seems to come out with this thing about two months from the end of the season every year. Um, he's going to go though, isn't he? Uh, look, I, at the I, end I of the day, think... I, I think he's done this a cracking job over the years. He's been a little bit erratic at times, but... I wish him all the best, and I, I don't think he'll be the kind of player, player that Guardiola really is going to rely upon in the future because he's just not there. He's Can we please distinguish between Yaya and Dimitri Salok? Oh yes, and and, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Yaya comes out and says this. I and know it's his idiot, Nigel, but... for your listeners, I've brought along uh, a prop. <laughs> Uh, which Works is a, well on the sock, radio. Is a sock. sock to put in Dimitri Sullock's mouth <laughs> yeah. uh, so he can shut up and uh, just keep quiet. You know, oh. the week that we're playing in the Champions League, oh, yeah. for him to come on and say Yaya's going when he's still under contract is another example of his crass stupidity. And Yaya deserves a better agent than that. I'm totally with you. I think Dimitri Selleck is... There are some pretty awful agents in football, but I think Dimitri Selleck has got to be one of the biggest tossers in football. He always does this, and it, really un- it can really unsettle the team. It's really frustrating as a City fan to have a player, particularly a player like Yaya, who comes across as a bit of an egomaniac, with, a, with such an awful agent like you that. See, see I, don't, I, yeah, I don't think any of it is down to Yaya whatsoever. It's no. just this bloke. But he, he is the one person alongside Yaya that stands to make any money from Yaya moving anywhere so what's he going to do he's just going to try and talk it up so he can get his slice of the pie and, and I find and the bloke quite 
Horrible, really. For the record, and for the listeners, just to let you know, Rob Barons did produce a sock from his pocket that he's already brought with him. So that Which was, was clean. It was laundered. It oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> from your sock drawer. You, you, got, you got a clean one for Dimitri Seluk's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we, we reckon, what, Inter Milan and Roberto Mancini, that's what we're talking about? Or is this just more, just talk, do we just ignore this, Rob, and, and move on? Or do you think that's probably the most likely outcome of this Well, one? the funniest thing I heard uh, from the quote from Seluk was he said he wasn't interested in the money aspect. I'm afraid that uh, Mancini is only offering 60 grand a week. So, and we reckon he's on what 200 grand, I think, is what's been reported at the moment at City. Yeah. How can he live on 60 grand a week? It will be difficult. Very, very difficult. I I hope he does go to Inter if he does leave. I don't. I don't want him staying in England because. I mean, I've heard some rumours about Liverpool or West Ham. I don't want him to come back and potentially do us next season. Of course, I mean, if, if Juventus want him, that would be great because we could use it as a sweetener to get Pogba, but I think it will be Inter or PSG. But just sort of taking the agent out of this and just talk about Yaya for a second, I think you make a good point. Um, sort of highlight, because clearly he's been pretty awesome you know, at his prime. You know, he, he's won important games, he's won championships, he's won FA Cups, he's won League Cups. You know, he's been absolutely... You're kind of... You're, Let's assume he's going here, and we're sort of writing his obituary. So, it's your your highlight of, of Yaya and uh, and his time at City? Uh, I, I would go for Newcastle away in 2012. I think he's done. Everyone talks about the FA Cup run. Yeah, he did play his part, but that was a game where we weren't really firing in all cylinders. We didn't look like scoring, and then we changed the tactics, and he popped up with two brilliant goals. And I, I've got to say that whilst that was great um, for me, 2011 FA Cup final against. Well, actually, semi-final against yeah. Man United and then the final against Stoke, where in both of those games, he was the one difference between us getting a trophy and us not. We wouldn't have got to the final without him because he was the one that was, had his brain switched on at the right time. And then in the final, we were struggling to break down a stubborn Stoke and he managed to find some kind of a way for it. And that was the first trophy for so many years, mate. No, fair point. Mm. I've seen a lot of City players and no one compares with the sheer power of Yaya yeah. Toure mm-hmm. steaming forward, brushing players aside and scoring wonderful goals. And we should be very grateful for that. It's, it's just a wonderful memory. Thank you. To, to, be, to be fair, yeah, you're absolutely right. I've never also seen a City player come back so slowly either, but he does. You know, he is a, brilli- a brilliantly awesome player, but yeah, he, he, has, he has his downside as well, unfortunately. All right, well, listen, I hope he's going to play a few more games. We're not saying Don't goodbye just too. yet, but I'll throw that on the table for just to sort of reflect and, uh, and uh, let's hope he's up for it if he's going to play on, on Wednesday. Sorry, no, he's out, isn't he, of course, yeah, um, uh, out, for, yeah. for, for Wednesday. He'll be there in the second leg, though, I reckon. Indeed. So let's talk finally then about the weekend. And West Brom, I think I said before, I think they're at 40 points already. They're sitting 11th in the table. Um, I don't think they're, you know, people said Bournemouth were in a similar I think they're 38, 39, but they're pretty safe, aren't yeah. they? And, and, and so are we hoping for something very similar, I guess, aren't we? They're, they're comfortable and safe, and, and we're going for the points that we need. I think they'll be harder than Bournemouth, because Bournemouth's defending. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the team, because I thought we were stunning on Saturday. But Bournemouth's defending for the first sort of half an hour was absolutely crap. And I don't think Pulis would let his team defend like that. That being said, we brushed them aside very easily it feels like ages ago but first game of the season we absolutely destroyed West Brom and I think we should win this game reasonably comfortably if not uh, it might take us a while to get I think it might be a bit like that Villa game a few weeks ago I wouldn't be surprised if it was nil all at half time but we went on to win say 3-0 I think it'll be close in the first half but we'll get there and then the floodgates will open 
No game against uh, Tony Pulis is going to be easy. Remember, he was the manager of Gillingham. He he, he won't want to see uh, West Brom lose. I think two things. Now that their players coming back, we have to use the squad to make sure that players aren't fatigued. And so this is a game for Ihinacho, I think. Agreed. And uh, also, critically, goal difference could be uh, a determinant of whether we get into the Champions League. So we need to score some goals. Yeah, I quite agree, actually. I think Pulis's sides are always difficult to, to break down and he, he always goes the extra mile against City because of that final against uh, Gillingham, really, to be fair. Um, I, I think we'll probably, like Joe, I think we'll probably struggle for a little bit in the first half, A, because it's at home and we struggle sometimes to break teams down at home and then we should sort of accelerate away in the second half. Although I could, you could always point out though, Pulis has never managed to do us at our place. He's always, no. you know, over the years he's had a few games. Where we've, in fact, not only when he was at Stoke, we struggled away. But I think you know, Stoke Palace, uh, West Brom. We've always, apart from that Palace game at home when he first took over, that was quite close, and we needed to break them down eventually. We always comfortably beat Stoke at home when he was their manager, and we comfortably beat West Brom last season, albeit with ten men. So yeah, I think we should eventually do them two or three nil this weekend. All right, well, gentlemen, we need to call it a day because we need to get off to Gay Paris. Um, so, huge thanks to Steve, Steve Cox, to Rob Barron, CTID, and to Joe Doherty. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.